Hello, and welcome to Mind of Micah and Backdoor Cover. This is a special simulcast edition. If you're a Mind of Micah listener, you know me, I'm Micah. If you're a Backdoor Cover listener, you also know me, I'm Micah. Backdoor Cover's sports podcast, Mind of Micah, is uh, my other podcast where I talk about other stuff. Uh, things that interest me, reads of the week, uh, other things of that nature. Current events, maybe? Current events, either, as well. Also, that that voice that you're hearing is not my backdoor cover ho-host, Brad Key. It is, in fact, uh, I'll call you backdoor cover contributor, Mr. Coach Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Hey, what's going on, Whitey? How you doing? Uh, it is a real treat to have you here. People loved your take on The Last Dance, so that's what we're here to do today is to give a little movie review of the documentary that replaced The Last Dance, Lance, which has aired now four hours on ESPN over the last two Sundays. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Before we do, a couple programming notes, and then we'll, we'll hop into this thing. On Mind of Micah today, I'm, I'm going to record something later. Let me say this. I, I know uh, like 99% of me thinks that nobody cares about what I think about what's going on in the world. Um and I'm not the right person to talk on these things and the, all of those things. But I will say this, there it is a podcast called Mind of Micah, and if you're listening to this or if you've listened to it before, if you're interested in listening to it in the future, um, the least I can do is actually tell you what's on my mind. And uh, this has been a crazy weekend and a crazy couple months, and it's... Uh, there's a lot on my mind. So I will be talking about it in probably the most personal episode in the history of Mind of Micah coming uh, coming soon. But that's it. So there, that's it for programming notes. Also, Brad uh, will be back with us probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're a little behind on Top Chef on Mind of Micah, so we, we may do two episodes together. We're going to do more ba uh, backdoor cover this week. We'll probably get a couple episodes. There's a lot to talk about, about basketball playoffs uh, potentially ramping up or basketball return. Uh, there's football rule changes. There's baseball labor issues. There's there's a lot of sports. So if you're interested in sports, even though there aren't really any sports happening, check out Backdoor Cover. And if you're interested in what's on my mind, check out Mind of Micah. All right, there we go. Two and a half minutes. That was pretty good. Let's get into this episode uh, or into this documentary, Whitey. As, as I mentioned, uh, I should also mention, Bobby and I call each other Whitey interchangeably. So don't be... Uh, <laughs> You know, now's probably don't get confused. Not, don't get confused. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe we should come up with better nicknames for each other considering yeah, the political climate of 2020. But <laughs> I've known Whitey since uh, kindergarten. That's what we call each other. So, uh, you know, don't be offended. Um, <laughs> okay. Lance Great Armstrong. Stuff. Four hours of Lance. Uh, two documentaries. or Well, one two-part documentary, I guess. Uh, concluding last night on ESPN. Uh, let me before I get your your big takeaway, Bobby. I want to kind of speak just a little bit about uh, Bobby and I. Both are from Austin, as is Brad, and so I'm sure if he watches this, we'll talk about it at some point in backdoor cover. And so our perspective of Lance is perhaps a little bit different than uh, the perspective of him nationwide, uh, because he was Austin local. He was here. He's a part of the community in certain ways. He was out and about. He was um, folk hero. He was sort of a folk hero in some ways, and then he was also like present in ways that you and I both know people that have stories about Lance, and almost all of them are negative, like personal interactions with this guy. Like, uh, I feel like everybody in Austin knows somebody who was backstage at a concert with Lance, and like he just gave him an empty beer can, or he was just a prick. I've, I've never, I, I've, you know, like he. It's weird because he's sort of this folk hero. He's this kind of guy who. Uh, as as they talk about in the first episode, is like normally people that do these these independent you know individual sports are a little weird, and that American cyclists are strange because there's so many other sports for Americans to get into to pick cycling and to pick one that's all by yourself. It's just weird, um, and we get some of that. But my point is that I've never heard somebody who like met Lance or like had an interaction with Lance and was like, oh man, he was a great guy. He was awesome. We we had a great well, time. Almost, almost all of the well, all the interactions I've heard are like, uh, my buddy was backstage at a concert, and Lance finished his beer and handed him an empty cup, like thought he was like just a roadie or something. He's like, what, what the fuck, dude? I'm just, 
you know, like those or him being rude to people at bars or or you know whatever it is. Uh, so well, I feel the need to refute. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're I, here. Apparently, so go ahead. apparently, I haven't told you this. Uh, I actually coached his son in a summer camp. It was just oh. like a week long okay. summer camp. The, I can't even which remember one? what the, one the sport who's... was. Who we see in episode two that played it right? Yeah, okay. I believe he only has one son. Uh, his name is it was Luke. He yeah, was yeah, like I want to say he was seven or eight years old. Um, oh, so this it was is way back. Yeah, it was it was the baseball fields at Waya. I want to say it was I can't remember what camp it was. Maybe a football camp. These things lasted a week, and it was uh, directed to one sport, and we gave him workouts specific to that sport, and then they played a little bit. And he came and picked him up. Um, after one of the days of the camp and I don't think at the time, I think I just knew the kid's first name. I didn't, I was not aware that this, this kid was Lance Armstrong's son and he shows up in a convertible. I want to say it was, a, I, I want to say it was an, an old caddy. Um, it was a very nice car. Nice. Um, and it was very limited in interaction. He just, you know, it was just small talk. Uh, but he was polite. He seemed like a normal guy. Uh, that was the extent of that was the extent of the interaction. It wasn't much beyond that, but I wouldn't say that he was. I wouldn't. I, oh, so there's your I, counterweight. I, come, I, I apologize. He, he wasn't. I wouldn't say like uh, you know. I left that experience just thinking, oh my god, this guy really is an asshole. These stories are true, or you didn't ruin. You know, didn't ruin my own um, my own vision or what I thought of him as a human being. He just seemed like a normal guy. That's it. So. So continue. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so that this is, uh, we say this just because he was local to us. And so his exploits, even when he was kind of getting started, his story of cancer of being like before he had ever won the tour de France, people in Austin knew who Lance Armstrong was before the rest of the world did, or at least before the rest of America. My, my parents were in the, my parents are both triathletes as well. So he was part of that community. He was a swimmer, then a triathlete. And, and cyclists and my father's a hardcore cyclist so my parents were aware of him before he won the tour and whatnot so right. this this is also a different perspective for me than a lot of people yeah a lot of people that and because at the end of the day and we'll kind of talk about it i mean episode two starts and he goes i am relevant you know and <laughs> yeah and the reality is like the dude isn't relevant in most places he's he's a guy who was the best at a fringe sport and is now a known cheater and like no, the, apparently the writings for this were quite disappointing. And, you know, in some ways he's not relevant at all. But he's a person that you and I have seen and been invested in for so many years that, like, if Lance shows up somewhere, it's interesting. It's it's newsworthy. But, like, if Lance Armstrong, for example, and this is, again, bad timing on this, but Michael Jordan sends out a, a single tweet, puts out a statement about the the uh, the protest going on. It goes viral. And it is it is a newsworthy story. It's the top story on ESPN.com. Michael Jordan speaks out. You know, whatever. Lance Armstrong could put out a statement. And that is not going to be something that goes to the top of ESPN. And so in that sense, he's not a relevant figure anymore. Um, but that's well, there's a lot to it. So, okay, there's our, there's our Lance background. Bobby and I probably know a little bit more about him. I've followed him a little bit longer than, than most Americans. Uh, obviously, the the word we haven't even said the word cancer, which is what he is, you know, when he was at the Link peak of his to. power, the the most, you know, that's what. If if you want to look at him in, in a positive manner, still, you you think about all the good work that that uh, he did and and his foundation did for cancer. I mean, that's an undisputed thing. It raised more money than any other cancer foundation in the history of the world, um, and so there's a lot of good there, right? But correct, okay. So you, what are your big takeaways after watching four hours with Lance? Well, big takeaway is a couple of things. Um, number one, something I, I was fairly aware of, but more or less everyone in cycling during this time was doping. Anyone that was significant, anyone that was in contention to to win major tours was was using similar substances or the exact same substances that Lance was using, um, which, which doesn't make – that doesn't make it that doesn't excuse him it doesn't um it doesn't make it okay it doesn't all his actions beyond that are 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 more or less unforgivable but that that should be mentioned um, right second second takeaway mm -hmm. is that if he if he is doing this documentary he's agreeing to do it in order to 
portray remorse if he is if if he's trying to um repair his image he's not he's not doing enough and he is not (laughs) coming off it almost seems like he's been a pathological liar for so long that uh he doesn't maybe he doesn't know how to show remorse or he's incapable of remorse or because he admits he says he says a handful of things with that's I don't know if I'd say it's asking for forgiveness, but he admits fault. Mm-hmm. And then he and then he goes on to say that he wouldn't do it any other way that he says. Yeah, I've said there this is, multiple times. There's some, it's so there's some serial so killer in there's some yes. real like absolute serial killer shit where he he where they ask him, was it hard uh, to sleep at night knowing that no, you had this no. big line? He goes, no, no I, it wasn't hard no. for me to look in the mirror. Like, no, not at all. Like that. You're right. Like if you compare and I want to talk about the the doping thing, too. But if you compare the Lance Armstrong documentary to the 10 part Michael Jordan documentary, there's okay at at the center of them. You have this these basically like crazy competitive assholes. Right. That's what you have in common. But Lance is my biggest takeaway of the whole thing is like this guy is just a psycho. Like he, uh, Michael has had some serial killer in him too when it came to competitiveness on the court. I think Michael had more redeeming qualities. He also had more redeeming qualities. And he, he, you know, his honesty is, you know, I guess he just, he never destroyed people's lives in the way that Lance did too. Like there is a level of, of serial killer, just like stone cold psychoness in Lance Armstrong that you really see. And even, and it's not just in like the old footage, it's in these current interviews where this guy is trying to rehab his image. Now it's the other thing that you see in the difference between the two of them is like Michael Jordan was the executive producer of the Michael Jordan documentary. So it's Michael Jordan writing, yes, writing some of the history and Lance agrees to do anything that the, the director wants him to do uh, or to speak on it. And he speaks on everything. He never really dodges a question in this thing. But you can tell he doesn't have the final edit. And if he does, if he did or whatever, like maybe he's just incapable of 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 being being a sympathetic figure in certain ways. You know, like he's just this guy's rough, man. Yes, I I agree. I think that there was a moment where the director was almost rude to him. Um, The the one interviewing him was almost rude. And it was kind of becoming of Lance. He, instead of, you know, snapping back or, um, or just, uh, trying to avoid the question. I think uh, that was what she was getting upset at. She was like, well, you don't avoid the question here. You can't. And she wasn't very tactful about it. And he goes, well, you can just edit that out. He, he's, oh, you know, yeah, he wasn't was... planning. He was clearly not planning. Yeah, that's on... not that scene. That little element was not so going to make said, a Michael Jordan doc. <laughs> no, no, it was not going to make the final cut. You got that. It, I think the question was, what's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? Is and he's like, you know, you can. He's clearly contemplating because, I mean, put yourself in his shoes. First of all, he's done a shitload of bad things, okay. And then, second thing, anyone, a, a damn saint, is going to have yeah, a hard a time tough answering question. that question. Yeah, and, and that's she what was, he's and then he was sort of like hemming and hawing, going, mm, "I don't know about that." And yeah. she just goes, "Well, don't you can, you can, question. you can think about it silently." And she goes, "Well, we'll yeah, just edit like, this God, out." Damn, that, it's like Jesus, woman. Yeah, they were, they were going this? at each other there. It was pretty intense. May I? I, I want to. I'm going to go on out. On, go out on a limb here and say that she wasn't that big of a Lance fan. Uh, going in, going into this interview, or the the people behind the scenes were not. You know, they might have had a tad bit of uh, animosity towards him. But he, the 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 last takeaway was that it, what I was going to say when everybody was doping, it was very clear that anyone significant in cycling, or the majority of them at least, were doping. But none of them. To my knowledge or recollection, ever adamantly denied it, and s- sought to ruin people's lives that attempted to expose him and tell the truth to an extent. For whatever their motive was, whatever reason they go into Floyd Landis, why why mm-hmm. he felt uh, scorned and he wanted to expose Lance. They talk about Frankie Andre Andreu's wife, um, who who talked about it what he what he told lance told his doctor back in 1996 yeah that was the one part that lance like refused to admit even even to this day yeah well he that was the one question he's like i'm not talking about that he 
said i think he says that on oprah he says in the interview though that he doesn't remember he doesn't um he doesn't deny that it happened he said he doesn't remember that conversation which interpret that how you want but he's not he's not straight up denying it he's not suggesting altogether that it didn't happen but anyway the 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 major takeaway is that he would be so much more forgivable and um so much easier to root for if he was not so vindictive to people that attempted to expose him and attempted to clean up the sport um i can i could put myself in his shoes that i'm a super competitive psycho psychotic uh endurance athlete and i want to win i want to he i mean he's clearly he's he feels scorned when he comes back to the sport no one will sign him I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that part of the documentaries. Yeah. He's all, like almost there. Won't, there's a the, there isn't a single team that will touch him after he comes back from cancer, and there's some vindictive side to him there. And he well, he wants to win, and he realizes there's no I have no chance in hell of winning if I do not use performance enhancing sub, supplements like EPO. There's no way that I could do it. So so I understand that why he would decide to take it what i don't understand is why you would seek to call your personal masseuse a whore or seek to ruin people's lives that attempted to expose you for doing something that you've done so quick i mean one thing we talked about when we talked about this this morning is like lance you we could see several more hours of this, of him fighting these legal battles. Like, he was quick to sue people that, that he knew were telling the truth. Like, this, he went after people in court. I mean, it was one point where he talked about, like, you know, you kind of lie to your Everyone who takes drugs, these drugs lies. Because, you know, until somebody asks him, uh, or as soon as someone asks him, they lie. And then somebody yeah. asks him again. And they got to keep the got lie going. And then somebody, you know, and then you get to the point where he's suing people. And it just becomes this thing. Um, couple things. There's like a mafia, I want, I want to, a mafia feel to yes. it. Yes. Oh, and a hundred percent. I'm glad you mentioned that because you get there was no. Still to this day, there's no evidence. Of, there's no records of him signing for drugs, or there's photos of him getting drugs, or you know, it's not like there was hard evidence. This guy was operating like a mob boss in a million different right. ways, and including there was one part where like he was paying the guy from the tour, and anyway, UCI. yeah, the um, Directors, the director yeah. of this thing. Of the the movie, her name is uh, what is it? it? Starts. Is that your phone or mine? Let's see. No, oh. I think that's yours. Uh, Lance is on the line. Yeah, let me turn that off. Uh, <laughs> Marina, found out we're talking noise about him. Too. Marina yeah, Zernovich is this woman's name, and she she says that like she felt like Lance thought they sat. She sat down with Lance eight different for eight different interviews, and the quote here. This is from the New York post is that uh on the last day of interviews he's like you think i don't like this but i really do i like our sessions she thought she learned armstrong gave better interviews immediately after working out which is interesting and uh she said i can understand that it was really like i was some sort of therapist i totally feel he needed this nuclear meltdown and he thinks that his life is better as a result i think he realized in the self-reflection that he did through therapy by himself with his family with his kids I don't think he could have kept going like that. I think he's come out on the other side thinking I'm alive. I'm th- three. So uh, there you have it. But let's let's talk about the drugs because the the one thing that this documentary didn't give me enough of is, and and I wish Lance would say too. Like I would have really liked him to look at the camera and go, "I'm better than all of these people." Yes. And and if we weren't on, if no one was on drugs, I'd be better at them. And the reality would is have been, everyone was on drugs and I was better than them. And I wish that I could have done the sport clean. He never says that. It, it's weird. Like, I just wish he would come out and say, if everything was, was equal, I would be better than every one of these guys. It's very, wish that very that hard to believe. It's very hard to believe that that didn't, a chance to say that didn't come up in conversation during during eight different interviews. That's very, that's that's hard to believe. So it's possible that that it's been cut from the footage uh i know that that, that's that would be pretty juicy i mean if i'm doing the documentary i'm not going to cut that but if you've got if the director is you know on the fence about this guy as a human being maybe maybe that's not that's something that needs to be 
they, they don't feel inclined to put on there. But but that would be that would make him a much more sympathetic figure or, or it would just make maybe just, it would I make just more want sense. That. Yeah, I just I mean, wanted I, yeah, a little selfish- I, I want a little more context. There was the one good context we had in the first episode where I forget which guy it was, but one of these talking heads says like it's a 100 hour race. And the difference between the winner and the loser is about two, and the last person, 140 people, whatever it is, is two hours. So that you're basically saying that there's a two percent difference between the winner and the lo- and the last place rider. His name is Jonathan Valters. Sorry yeah, and, to interrupt. Continue. And that EPO is a 10 percent drug. So that which I when I heard that like that made so much sense to me. Like that was a great way to yes, talk about. You don't. You don't stand a chance. But I just wish we had juicy. more of that. Like, I wish that. Yeah. That a and, Because all the and too. all of these writers have come out and said under oath, like, yes, we were on all these things. Here's exactly what we were taking. And now Lance has taken it. I just wish they'd come out and, and I wish I'd like just a little bit more uh, on that. And I wish it's, Lance would have come out and said, you know what? I wish the sport was clean. He never at no point did he say, you know, I wish that nobody took these drugs. And I wish the sport was clean because if everything was even, I'd whip their ass. Because I'm sure he feels that way, but he almost said the opposite. Actually, well, to, to an extent, he said EPO. In reality, and he prefaces it with, "This is going to sound bad, but EPO is really not is not all that bad for you." He said, "There's a lot That's worse right. things that you can put, and you can, you know, you can interpret that a million ways." He's By like, the oh, way, he, I want some EPO like so fucking bad. That would be sweet. Give me it? the EPO. If anybody's got an You're, EPO plug. You know, please hit us because. Would you beat Booger McFarlane on the Peloton? If, uh, no, uh, no nobody's touching gym. Booger. Booger's putting up numbers. By the way, yes. if you want to follow us on on Peloton, hit us at hashtag Bad Boys of Pelly. I'm picking you up have new your members. Own hashtag. Yeah, Is create that how a that hashtag. Works? Yeah, you can add uh, hashtags to your profile. So hashtag Bad Boys of Pelly. P E L L Y. You know what my real hashtag out. is, Whitey? What's, what's that? Hashtag Get on a real fucking bike. Get on a real fucking bike, Whitey. I just did a twelve. I just did a twenty mile ride today. I had a little workout in between. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty liberating, you know. Outdoors, you should cool. try it every once. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a Peloton. Cool, Lance. All right, I'm whatever. Not, I, I'm not fucking psycho. To just go ride like around these. with your own crazy thoughts for twelve hours. You know, <laughs> Floyd Landis, so, crazy ass. So um, you just you're riding around looking at looking at your computer screen with your own your own thoughts in a room. I'm just doing it outside. Continue. All right. We're, yeah. So let's let's go back to well, let's start at the beginning. I'm I think this conversation is going great. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the documentary. We, so in one sense, this documentary was in actually many senses a lot more linear than than the last dance. It's easy to keep up with what was going on. Episode one is Lance's childhood up until he wins the first. Uh, he uh, his childhood, his first bout with cancer, and all the way up into his first uh, yellow jack, uh, yellow jacket, yellow uh, yellow jersey, yellow jacket. Uh, yeah, yeah, right over Green there. Green jacket, yellow jacket. Who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> he gets his first <laughs> first yellow jersey and wins the first tour. Then the second episode the was uh, the other five tours: the Cancer Foundation, the Fall from Grace, basically. Uh, the return and everything else that happened. So that is pretty linear. Um, okay, what struck you as his during his childhood? Uh, he, basically, they show him basically being a prodigy up through you know starting running in these uh, triathlons that you're supposed to be 16 in and basically winning them as a 15 year old and coming up, showing up at switching to cycling, showing up at the U.S. cycling, you know, Olympic headquarters, calling people pussies, riding past them, like, like just <laughs> that being story was great. the baddest badass, uh, you know, and then basically being a pro cyclist and being best in the world at like 21, I think, something, 2021. I think it was the world championship you won at 21, yeah. Yeah, and so right. some of this, and you see it in in the second episode, is that this guy, like, didn't have a childhood. It, it, his his dad left him at, at age two, and, they, and I guess he never sort of. Uh, you were sort of watching this again, but I don't think there was ever anything. His no. mom his mom remarries at seventeen one year later, so he, his mom has him at sixteen. She remarries at seventeen, uh, and then marries a guy named Terry Armstrong. So that's how he takes Armstrong's name, uh, Terry Armstrong, who Lance said beat the shit out of him with a fraternity paddle. Uh, and said he was an over-the-top disciplinarian, also basically took credit 
for uh, the reason that Lance was such a good fucking racer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lance, here the quote is, Lance would not be the champion he is today without me because I drove him, I drove him like an animal. That's the only thing I feel bad about. Did I make it too much when it all cost? Um, well, that's, so So we go through this thing where he's basically a broken home, young mom, whatever. He becomes a prodigy. The a very telling, one of the most like, memorable things is when he uh was it hawaii or where were they they were doing i guess it wasn't an iron man but they was going to some triathlon and he was on the other side of the world of the country or something or it might have been in in europe i forget what the fuck it was but uh and the guy that he was he was basically there with an older dude who was like chaperoning him and lance is like i'm better than you i'm faster than you i don't have to listen to what you say i think he was i think he was 14 or 15 yeah yeah, he, he was, yeah, I he was think he was like 15 young. or 16, and this guy was had sort of he like... He rented a scooter, is that correct? He rented... Yeah, he, yeah, ruined, that's right. He rented a scooter on this other dude's credit card and kind of banged scooter, it up. doesn't take, and doesn't just, take uh, ownership for any of his actions. Yeah, and, and basically it was like, I'm faster than you, I'm better than you anyway right now, I don't need you anymore. That was kind of what the guy's <laughs> thing lot, said. Uh, uh, not a whole lot of respect. It's yeah. kind of like, it's similar situation to when... I attempt to teach my kids how to shoot a three pointer and they see me shoot and it, they're not going to take you all that seriously if they find out that your jump shots broke. So I, I can relate to that. I'm sorry, Mr. Coach Bobby, but <laughs> you, you're no Steve Kerr. Um, there's no doubt about that. So you, you get, you get this picture of a guy who's a prodigy. And also, you know, there was the, the part where they talked about the other three American dudes on his team we're all living in like, or the other four American dudes were like living in a three bedroom house somewhere, and Lance is living in a giant mansion on the lake by yeah, himself by in himself, France. Yeah, and so so you get this picture of this childhood prodigy. I mean, pick one, you know, if you want to think Michael Jackson or something. Uh, that's sort of the, the thing that comes to mind. Like this, not only is he a comp- uh, a competitor in a man's world. And and doing things in a very adult environment, if you will, like he's doing it on the other side of the world and do in a different language. Like this is not a, a normally adjusted person. Uh, and so when they show him in the second episode, slice his finger because he doesn't know how to cut a piece of cheese. <laughs> like you start to realize that, and and he's like panicking and calling a doctor uh, on Facetime. Like you you get the you that get was the painful. you get the feeling that like. Maybe this dude isn't a very well-adjusted human outside of racing, you know? And, and, I, I, and you get the, you know, when you look at his downfall, that that they make pretty clear that if if he if Lance just stays retired after, what, 2006 instead of coming back in 2009, then nobody's ever going to, this none right. of this would this wouldn't have happened. But he was bored, and he, he's not adjusted. All he does is race his whole life. So he doesn't have three years, hobby. He doesn't have any hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really striking to me. I, I don't know I what was, you thought. I was kind of curious why they did have that, why they put that scene where he cuts his finger peeling potatoes. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand it, but now, but in hindsight, now that you mention it, maybe, maybe that isn't in effect what they're doing. Uh, well, I also have a, I have a quote from the director here about that okay. part. Uh, people wanted to take it out. And I was just like, quote, I love this because I think people want to see him bleed. I literally said that. <laughs> so you've got another metaphor there, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I didn't. I, did, I, would, not I, I would not have interpreted it that way either. Here's the the quote: In the footage, he's trying to help, but he doesn't really know how to. He doesn't know how to use worse. a cheese peeler. That's that was so shocking. It's not in the movie, but one person I I interviewed told me Lance went into a wind tunnel as a teenager and came out a grown up. His whole life spent has been geared towards being an athlete, which is you know insightful this woman knows better than anybody she's been spent two years with a guy filming this documentary so there's you know i think that's uh something to you know and i didn't know the thing about his mom and and being divorced and going through you know being you know beaten or whatever uh, a tough childhood and then i i didn't realize that he was like this super young prodigy world champion at 21 um you know the the story for me always happened that like this guy was like a a big local celebrity who was a, a bike racer, whatever the fuck bike racing is, but was really good at it and then got cancer. Like that's when it started for me when I was a kid. That's when this dude came on my radar. 
Um, yeah, as most as most people, I I had heard. I think I had probably heard his name barely mentioned, but that was only because my parents were part of. And the your triathlete. parents were big, yeah, were triathletes and, so and if, were bike. Uh, other than that, he doesn't make a name for himself unless you're a hardcore cycling fan. Until he recovers from cancer, he wins the prologue in the 1999 Tour de France, and that's when he becomes. He starts to become a household name in the states, and obviously Austin, Texas, he's covered with more detail because that's where he's from but he starts becoming a name in that first tour de france win um in it's to speak on his childhood i think you're right he he had to grow up much quicker than most people he didn't ha- he didn't really have a father figure um you know he didn't have a typical uh college experience or any mm-hmm. as far as i know he doesn't have, didn't have any education in that sense um he he kind of jumped right into the sport of pro cycling right after right after high school i think they said he, he left his mom's house when he was 18 like the day you know he graduates he packs stuff up and then he moves to austin um so his childhood and his life experiences are certainly different from the typical American, you know, the, of red-blooded male. And I think um, he, he he touches on this a little bit that he wasn't a very good athlete. You know, he wasn't coordinated. He yeah, wasn't, that was interesting. He wasn't playing too. basketball, football, and that makes sense. You don't, t- you know, no one, no one goes to cycling, uh, you know, as as their number one choice when they're seven years old. They they want to go play. And I mean, nobody has the attention span. They want to go play. They want to go play some social game with their friends. You know, nobody is, you don't see kids that are, you know, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, riding a bike on their own for hours. Doing so triathlons. Like that, yeah. that's, that's not a thing most 15 year olds are doing. That's, that's a different it kind takes of pursuit. A, you know, it takes a different type of human with a different, maybe a different background, a different uh, childhood. When I've always heard this, you know, like, I've heard when he was really at the peak of his powers, people would debate, like, is Lance Armstrong the greatest athlete in the world? And I, I hate to give Skip Bayless credit for anything, but I do remember him saying on first take or whatever, one time he was just like, Lance Armstrong isn't a great athlete because Lance Armstrong can't hit a golf ball and he can't hit a baseball and he, you know, he can't throw a football. But Lance Armstrong is the greatest uh endurance athlete in the world he's like a piston in an engine he's he is a mercedes his, that is just he his his body is perfectly tuned to put an output to you know to put out energy in a way that propels him forward like this uh and so it, it is it's a different kind of athleticism obviously something tells me right. i mean it, but it, it was interesting to hear him say that like he was no good at baseball or football or whatever but but he's very you can he's clearly competitive because as soon as he gets into swimming yes he's all about getting better and, and it's like that competition adults. that drives him towards this sport because like he couldn't dominate in any other sports you know like it maybe that's the reason he found biking which is not something right. that most 15 year olds find right exactly so that's what that that's part of the dominate. reason that, yeah very interesting that propels him to that that's what you know a lot of people have a maybe they have a vice or something or not a vice. They have a hobby that, that gets them up in the morning. And he just had, at that point in his life, he hadn't discovered one. He hadn't figured it out yet. You know, he wasn't going to go into, he wasn't going to, you know, play the guitar. He wasn't going to join the drama club. That just what, that didn't fit him. He wanted to be an athlete, but he just didn't know he didn't have direction. So this is good, good depiction of his childhood. Yeah. Um, So we get the first cancer thing where, he was also talking about what a fucking great life he had uh, where him and his buddy, his buddy owned the bar. There were women all the time. He yeah. would just, they'd wake up, he'd go for a bike ride. Then they'd go out on a ski boat, go skiing all day. Then they just go hang out at the bar all night. And then they'd do the same thing every day, which is just like the most Austin. I, I mean, I'm sure people out there are like, yeah, of course that's what you want to do everywhere. But there was something about this that was just like, this guy was living the dream. Like it was sort yeah. of that Austin slacker nineties thing going uh, even though he was like the you know this incredible endurance athlete. Quick quick side note on that. Did you get the impression that guy? I guess his nickname was College. Did, that guy says that he knew every girl in town. Did he? Did he? You get the vibe like uh, that dude Caitlin, got friend. Caitlin, she knows him. Google no no shit no. But she Google. she started googling this guy. He still owns like five or six bars in town. He does. And he co-owned. Do you remember when Lance used to have his own bar called Six? In the uh, warehouse district, it was right across from Hangar Lounge. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah, he was the co-owner or something. So, like, my guess is this dude was probably pretty. Like, I don't know exactly his history, but you know, I you know, Danny's buddy Tom always tells stories about like 
cruising star bar in 94 and just like you know picking up the hottest <laughs> chicks in town and my guess is like this dude was probably plugged in 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 i don't know what what bar it was but if there were you know 10 bars that adults went to uh this guy probably was the general manager of six of them so like i this weren't this rang true to me right uh, i i i i believe it that just but the guy looking at the guy i'm like this guy looks like if he knows every girl in town, he's been friend zoned with every single oh, uh, one of you them. You know, I'm like, not gonna speculate on that, but probably. Yeah, that dude did not look like he did not look like a player. That that just didn't. That was like the, what my takeaway from uh, like the conversation that that conversation. I was like, God. So so Lance had the dude that was in the friend zone. Lance he set it up. The college set it up, and then Lance knocked him Lance down. Lance knocked that's, it down. Yes. Yeah, that's Lance the alpha, the the killer. Knocked it down. That was that was what I got out of that. Yeah. Story. What What did you think about in the second ep- in the second episode where his daughter's like, "Oh yeah, Lance has dated quite a few girls uh, while I've been uh, like I've seen him date a bunch." That uh, was his second second wife, right? Well, I thought it was a, or his fiance said, "Well, well he dated quite a few people before." Yeah, me. before I me. Was- yes. Yeah. So I think it was his daughter. Somebody was like, "Yeah, I've met a bunch of them before," and then they run, <laughs> then they ran through like four celebrity chicks. Cheryl yeah. Crow being the most famous. They didn't really get into that where. You know, this is another. The story on this was always that, uh, and it, it, I've never heard Lance actually talk about the Cheryl Crow thing. But the the narrative before was that Cheryl Crow and Lance were together, and then Cheryl Crow got cancer, and Lance dumped her. Uh, and he sort of like they they didn't paint that picture in this. That was always the urban legend. Uh, but he did sort of apologize for for not handling that relationship well. Not that, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Which I, just, that. I thought was kind of interesting. He was sort of remorseful in a way there. Um, yeah, he but, and, more but then they showed that he dated uh, like four celebrity chicks, and he was like, you know, I just don't like dating celebrities. But <laughs> he said something. I was like, who? Who were the other like celebrities? I didn't. I don't uh, remember. Kate Hudson was about. one, and there were. He did really. Yeah, they showed Kate Hudson, and and God, I must have been out of the room when they yeah, showed that. Yeah, there were that. a couple more that. too. I forget who the other ones were, but. Um, Lance the man. Well, yeah, shit, man. I got more respect for him in that regard. He's got some game. <laughs> it's not just, I mean, especially for a dude with one ball, he's got a shitload of game. Yeah. One ball, twice the game. Yeah. So, so that's the way it works. So he loses that ball. Uh, he sort of <laughs> discovers he's having pain or whatever. He has cancer. It's that's pretty bad. Um, and but he fights through it. And and one thing the the documentary did a good job on, which you know I think most people aren't cycling fans myself included don't sort of realize like and i you know i've watched this from time to time uh specifically when lance was dominating uh i remember watching outdoor life network oln uh (laughs) significantly either you know with with uh with dr bob or with barry key big cycling guy uh right but you know they do a good job like talking about how sort of dangerous the sport is like you're you're going fast you're on these tiny bikes you're going up and down hills. You're in these big crowds, and so it takes a special person that does that, and a person that that's that's willing to do that is not going to be afraid to stick a needle in their arm. Like that's just, you know, taking some weird drugs does not scare someone who's in a sport that's as consistently dangerous as cycling. And that was something that they showed in the second hour, where the the journalist like the most, or I don't know if it was journalist, whoever it was, somebody was like the most amazing thing about winning seven Tour de France's is there's, I forget how many, 28 stages. 21 each, stages. 21 stages race. So that's 150 races, basically, that you don't fall down, you don't slip, you don't get knocked down, you don't get hurt, you don't get sick, you don't have to miss a day, you know. Or, you don't make a strategic error. You don't make a strategic error. Like, that goes, that's the most impressive part to me. One, that, like, sort of there's luck on his side, but two, like, you know, Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. It, you could say some of it's luck, but it's also like he was going to will his team and himself to victory in a way that, you know, other people haven't done. Uh, I just found that right. to be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's similar to like the, uh, the tiger, the streak uh, consecutive uh, cuts made mm-hmm. when he made, I mean, some insane amount of cuts yeah. consecutive. It's like a hundred or something That's... like that. It's, yeah, it's a similar, it's sort of to assert it. It's just to, um, you know, to paint the picture to someone that doesn't follow the sport or doesn't know, doesn't know the story that 
doing that is one of the most difficult things he regard. I mean, even if he was doping, I mean, if he was doping and no one else was doping, then you can totally refute. What but he that did. would still but, be a challenge, you know, like that's one of these things in where itself would still be a challenge. Yeah. That, that I think that was kind of the point where it's like, even if this dude had the best drugs and was, was cheating to never fall down to never, you know, to see how thin those bikes are racing in the rain down these Hills to never have that bad luck to, you know, speaks to his strength or have one bad day that yeah, causes or, yeah, you, or get causes sick you and race just, altogether. Exactly. Um, God, I can't wait for the pandemic of, of 2040 where we're all sitting around watching uh, the Tiger Woods doc, the 20 part doc, <laughs> yeah, Tiger the doc, because that's the one, one you know, if well, you want to talk about child prodigies, Tiger Woods is right there. And I mean, I, he, be an it shows you, you know, that's another contemporary of Lance that you got to kind of think of. Uh, that he actually has a very good one on Golf Channel right now. I don't. Golf Channel's done a terrible job advertising it or making it available to see, but it's called the Tiger Slam, and yeah, it just kind of. I haven't seen it. I don't think I get Golf Channel anymore. It's such a pain in the ass to watch. There, yeah. it's terrible. Uh, if you don't have a cable subscription, it's almost impossible. And there's to no watch. way to stream so, it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like anti-advertising for the Golf Channel, but it is. It's good. It's it's only an hour. Um, but during the during this pandemic of the no sports pandemic um as i cough multiple i thought you were calling it the no girl the no girls pandemic well i guess it could be that too that's that just makes it that much what's which part's worse the no <laughs> girls or the or the no sports i mean the 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 girl thing kind of comes and goes sports you can usually rely on to to get you through whatever kind of dry spell if you're just a you're reminder uh, coach bobby very single and on the hunt <laughs> god you got Usually get that in much earlier in the podcast. Yeah, forty-one minutes in. All right, so, so that's sort of the first part, and and the first part culminates like his first wife basically is like, well, you can't qu-. like they. He said that he wanted to quit before he goes on tour, and that you know nineteen ninety-eight, sort of, yeah, you know, ninety-eight, and then somehow he wins the prologue. Like he made it seem like he didn't expect to do that, uh, and then it's from there on, it's a it's a rocket ship, which I think the second part does a great job of showing like. It opens with him on Letterman after he talks about how he's relevant. But it opens with him on Letterman and Letterman just fawning praise over him and talking about how he's an inspiration and he's badass and all the things that he is. And you see the, this rise to celebrity in a way that no cyclist, certainly no American cyclist, has ever, well, no cyclist has ever become this sort of celebrity in America. And a lot of it, is because of the work that he starts doing for the Livestrong Foundation, the thing ramps up. It becomes this huge deal, um, and they, uh, they, he's painted in a sympathetic light. A hundred percent, Livestrong. His, that, his, that his managers and people say like he turned down personal money that he could have had and gave it all to the foundation uh, from sponsors, the, including from Nike. That was the kind of the big one. He didn't let the cameras come in when he's talking to the kids, the patient, you know, the cancer patients, mm-hmm. the kids. He's like, this isn't for. You know, this isn't for public consumption. This is just me. This is me with the kids. So, so that that part of it, he did look, did make him look significantly more sympathetic. Yeah, and and you see this rocket ship, and they they show the part where he's chilling and running with McConaughey, which was fucking hilarious. Just the photo, shaved chest. Yeah, and 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 I forget who it was, but somebody said like, you know, McConaughey walks in the room, and you know, the girls start perking up and looking at him, but Lance walks in the room, and every person. The busboy wants to talk about how he helped him beat cancer or helped his brother or whatever in a right. way that that uh, and that was pretty powerful. And and I remember that. And, and I think that if you're under, I mean, I don't know, under 30, you may not remember Lance as that sort of figure because he, he came out to Oprah in 2013. That's seven years ago. There is a long way removed from. 2006 yeah, last, when you know i mean he won from like 2000 to 2006 basically it was 99 to 2005 but no no one's counting okay right yeah, so that's been a long time that's 15 that's a, years that's a long won. time and and uh and and at the peak of his powers i mean this dude was the a-list celebrity he was he's winning the espies he's you know and i thought they did a great job of kind of showing that which is you know it shows how what an amazing transformative figure this dude is that he's a cyclist I mean, this is not a sport that Americans watch. No, not a football uh, player, not a basketball player. And and player. he's got the story, and you know, he did talk about how he did sort of regret using cancer as a, as an as sort of a shield. He said he never used Livestrong. The foundation is a shield, 
but he did use cancer as a shield when people yeah. would ask him about illegal drugs, which, you know, and then they showed two or three clips where he was just like, man, I'm on my deathbed. You think that's going to make me want to put EPO in my body? Where yeah. basically the total opposite was true. He was just like, God, you just uh, shake your head. Kind of, kind of. I mean, I could be dead. You think I'm afraid of EPO? Of course not. Yeah. And he just straight up says it and and says it so convincingly um, that you get into this part where it's just like, this guy's a fucking psycho. And, yeah. and it, it's it's a weird, like, sort of like, I mean, I, I don't know, superhero dynamic where he's using these powers for good, but he's also using them for bad. Uh, I mean, it, the the good stuff is this foundation and, and the stuff for cancer, and they showed some very powerful moments of people that had children because and and got through cancer because of Lance and the book and everything else and all the people he inspired. But then they show two or three examples of him just destroying people's lives professionally and, you know, overall. Because right. when he is 100% in the wrong, um, what, hard, what part of that stomach. jumped out at you? Well, the uh, I, I guess the part – I thought that was very good editing when he said that, that, you know, he admits to using cancer as a shield and then they basically – pan to two or three clips where he's got a microphone in his hand and he's and he's completely refuting using performance enhancing drugs because because of the cancer you know i thought i thought that was uh a very good editing and it made it it made for very good entertainment um but the i guess the part that jumped out from from that from that episode where he when he is vehemently denying or where he they they go into depth about him vehemently denying that he that he doped and ruining people's lives is just, you're just kind of like, you know, why, why do you have to go to that extent? And, and could, could you not see the potential backlash from, from this? You know, it, it just, it's kind of like, I understand, like I said earlier, I understand that why you doped, it makes sense. Like in that time, you know, in order to be competitive, it makes sense. Dope. It can't you go go about denying it in a manner that is less um, less unbecoming of a human being yeah. than that. You well, know, it's like God the other thing the mercy. documentary does a really good job of is showing like when this ramps up and they show his popularity, they do a good job of illustrating like how much was riding on him winning. Yeah. Uh, and and not and being clean, having this image, like the amount of money they're showing for cancer. He's in front of the 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 Livestrong team, and there's you know 400 employees behind him. Like he's he's created this monster. He's in these commercials. Like it's all based on him being clean, and the fact that that he never failed a drug test, which is incredible. Uh, you know, with and I think I saw some. I I paused it a couple times because they showed at the end they're kind of like that the director of the tour, like, I think I saw some headline that he had, that Lance paid the director of the tour to make drug tests go away or something. Like, because he would always say, I've never failed a drug test. And, you know, these people are all liars. Everyone's out to get me. And it's just, it's uh, it's shocking. But it is, like, you, you see, you can see to a certain extent where he wants to keep this going. And he's going to do whatever it takes to keep it going. And it's yeah, sort of noble. He's... Like, I've got a good, there's, I'm getting good stuff done by keeping this going. But he's just so over the top and vindictive towards people. Yeah. And and just such a monster. Like, I, I don't know another way to put it. It's just that, fucking, it's crazy. I thought, that the, I thought the writer, uh, the writer had a really good, it was a cyclist writer. He had a really good line. He, he said he doesn't know too. where. Oh, that was some awful, awful lettuce. God have mercy. It was hard to look at. He he said uh, it was like I don't know where the line is where good people do bad things and you know and bad people do good things. You know, for are they doing doing things for the right reason? There's it's so blurred at this point. He doesn't know. And then he's his own teammate, uh, Bobby Julik, says the guy that he called the fucking pussy. Yeah. said i've known the guy you know the guy and someone for 30 years you think that you could figure out whether you love or hate the guy and he's like i still don't know i still don't you know <laughs> yeah that was so and, great he's like i don't know if i like the guy i, I and, really and, don't know and i'm 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 right there with him like i i like i grew up idolizing the guy when when lance won his first first tour i was 14 or 15 years old my dad is a is and was a hardcore cyclist and we all woke up early in the morning to watch, watch him win 
stages in the Tour de France. And he was, and he's this polarizing figure or this galvanizing figure um, to to Americans. And then you find out all this time later that he he was lying, and you find out much more about his character and about how he's a vindictive asshole, and he just will shit on people. And you, you just kind of like how. What are, are we sure we're talking about the same guy here? Yeah. How am I supposed to feel? It's, how am I it, supposed to feel about this? He's really this like Shakespearean figure because he's doing great things and he's doing the shittiest things. And yeah. I also talked about how like brilliant he was with the media. Like the narrative in in America was that the French media is out to get Lance. That they're a bunch of fucking crybabies and they're they're you know they're pussies An and they, they don't the like tour. the fact there's this tough American and he's yeah. he's the John Wayne of the tour and so they're out to get him because you know they've got a vendetta against him and Lance was the one creating that narrative like that's that's what they kind of show that he's the mastermind behind this that he realizes like that's what we have to pitch it's oh these fucking french people you know they're soft they're they're trying to destroy and they're only mad because i'm an american that's they're out to get me and maybe he believed that but he actually he couldn't have believed that because he knew he was cheating <laughs> yeah, so, how do you believe that but he he managed to convince himself that that was the case and he was so fucking convincing sharing that message that that is that's what he, you turned on the ESPN. That's what people said that, oh, you know, this is just the French media out to get him. Like, that's crazy. And and even at the end, you know, I mean, I t- we'll talk about this on Backdoor Cover. Brad always gives me a hard time about because I, I don't like it when people go after the media because yes, the media are people. Segment. Most of the media are people out doing do, an honest yeah. people doing jobs. Doing, doing a job, a job trying, by, with, without any partisan. Trying without, to find the with, truth. Well, you know, and people have biases. People have inherent biases. But most people don't work at media outlets because they want to influence the way people think. That's just not – they want to sh- show the truth. They want to yeah. report on what happens. They don't I'm have these you. agendas. You, and, and most people, you know, Preaching. the people that get mad about this are people say that the media was out to get me or to destroy me. No, the media was chasing the story. And it turns out that you it also there's also a scenario where you're a dick to everyone in the media and you try and control everything. And when they find out you're lying, they're going to find any person is going to find glee in taking that person down to a certain extent or exposing right. that person. Um, Karma, you know, and, and he goes off on this thing. There was the what's the dude's name? Jan, uh, Jan Ulrich. It is yeah. kind of funny that your big, his biggest competitor is a dude named Jan. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jan Ulrich. And he that, that at one point he was like screaming about this in the documentary. Lance was that they that they came after they came after Jan. He's in a mental institute. They came after this other guy. Uh, you know that that Italy decided this and the media decided this and now this guy's dead and he's fucking dead and and the the media in the United States came after me. Like not exactly, dude. It's Lance is a very unique situation because he was sponsored by the United States Postal Service, so it was federal money, and so there was he was open to more litigation. You know the, that stuff. When we talked this morning, you know, you, there's so yeah. much more to the story. Like, I mean, you could go in. I could go down a rabbit hole. I, one of the craziest things to me is when Lance comes back in '09 or whatever it was, and he's he's his team is sponsored by Kavistan or something. Like the place where Borat is from, <laughs> like that's the <laughs> sponsor insane, of of his team. Like that's how fucking weird and sketchy is this is this sport and the sponsors behind it? And and they talked about how he destroyed Greg LeMond's like company with with his bike deal because Greg like questioned him once, uh, and you know he goes after the trainer who and calls. I her think you're watching. I, I don't am mean I, to interrupt. Am the I host. goofing this up? No, go you're, ahead. You're, yeah, you're, you're kind of. I think you're kind of botching some details. You're not. It's it's not like you're getting the narrative completely wrong, but you're. There's a few things you might be botching, but but uh, one thing I want to say about the Jan Ulrich, the when he when he becomes very venomous, you know, in the interview about she asked him why did he go see Jan? Why you know why is he? Right. And he says you know I. Because he even said it might have been earlier. He said, "I don't understand how these guys are all chummy years later." It's like, no, fuck that. Like, like you're we're com- we were competitors. We're not doesn't make us friends now just because we're not competing. Like, I'm not, you know, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, at the same it, time, that was Jordan. Kind of, it's psychotic. For sure. Yeah, psycho it's, and it's 
but it, but it's also like I I kind of understand that like mm-hmm. like once you you know once you go to battle against somebody and just because the battle's over you're not supposed to sit there and shake their hand and you know have a beer with them and chummy you know get all chummy with them but he he talks about how Jan is vilified Jan Ulrich is vilified in Germany where he's from and and he's vilified in the States. And then there's all these other writers that essentially all doped and did the same thing and made money off of it. And they're almost glorified. They're brought back to the tour. They're given jobs announcing their uh, given sponsorships there. They don't, they're not reaping the consequences of their actions the same way. And, but, but it, those situations are so much different. You know, I don't, I don't know about the, the Jan Ulrich thing, I don't know as much about the details of him and how he's been vilified, just that his life, his quality of life is much lower yeah. than a lot of other, a lot of other, but the problem, what I had the problem with it is that is the only time in the documentary that he gets emotional. That is the only point that he seems on the verge of tears. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's on Oprah and there, they talk about how his son is sticking up for him after he comes after all of these allegations tr- turn out to be true when people are you know are are you know running his name through the mud his 13 year old son is standing up for him and he sees it and he sees you know how tough this is going to be for his kid like if that's me if there's if there's any tears in my tear ducts they're going to be coming out at that point not when i'm talking about the guy that got second place to me in the tour four times or whatever in, in his life and his life sucks. It's just, it's very strange the way he's wired, I guess is, uh, you know, I, yes. I think he's, I think he's remorseful, but there's almost an inhumane part of him that makes it difficult to, you know, that other reporter says the one that followed his entire story, she says that she's going to question everything Lance does and says for the rest of his life, you know, which is fair because he's lied for so long and he's been he's been an asshole to people, you know, that that have basically called said his shit stinks. He's been such a dick, you know, you're going to question. it. So so I kind of I kind of left I left the documentary at the end of it. Not sure where I stand on on him as a human being and and i left it almost more confused than i was before but i think that that's that's probably that's probably the closest thing to the truth is that this that this is this guy did some good things he did some not so good things he was an asshole uh he, he, he might he has still a, be an asshole, might still be an asshole, might have a few redeeming <laughs> qualities. You know, it's it's kind of like this is my favorite TV show. I don't we, we always somehow get get to this is the wire because it shows both sides of the law and how there's good and there's bad on both sides. And nothing's predictable. There's no I'm not watching that. I'm not watching that documentary knowing, OK, well, here's where they're going to paint a sob story about Lance getting cancer you know and then then they're going to show you know a few a few scenes where he's getting his ass kicked and then he's going to triumph you know it's you don't know you don't know what's coming you don't know how you're going to feel mm-hmm. you don't know i mean it's a documentary so you kind of know the outcome but you don't know how you're going to feel at the end of it and that's that's really one thing that's really cool same thing with the jordan documentary really really yeah. cool you don't know what, how it's going to make you feel when you sit down and watch it and you're yeah. on the edge of your seats because of it a couple other things the the thing about lance and like he's mad about some of this stuff and you see it and he's sort of i mean paranoid and like thinking about the people that are out to get him but in a way barry bonds never gave a dollar back barry bonds may not be in the hall of fame but barry bonds has hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank mark mcguire has millions of dollars like yeah, he's not, no they're other, not getting sued. No other sports figure has had to settle with for their prize money. Like he has sort of gotten fucked on this thing in a way that, you know, because his sponsor was the United States Postal Service, if he was being paid by I I mean, I don't know, a public corporation, if he was sponsored by Domino's, uh, you know, this no, he's not writing a check back to people, but because no. of this, the federal government gets involved, USADA, like he is the only person that I know of that that has had to to fight this stuff in court, uh, and and you know it made it it made it seem like you know if he would have just given himself up and ratted out other people he would be okay. But at the same time, like it, you do sort of, yep, 
it's weird because he's so sort of unlikable and it's hard to have sympathy for that dude when he's in the car and they're showing him in a suit and you know even when he's going to court uh but if you think about it from the larger perspective nobody else got fucked the way that lance got fucked i mean barry bonds is not barry bonds never showed up in a court uh barry bonds certainly never had to give a dollar back to the federal government he wasn't settling and Lance did. And so you kind of. Yeah, that's a good point. It's weird that, that at the end of it, you're like, is this right? And and that's also part of the deal where you kind of wish he'd stand up and say, you know, I, I wish the the sport was clean, but it wasn't. So I had to do what I had to do. Uh, and it, it shows where his son, they say, like, if your son wants to take steroids, what do you think? And he said, I think that's a bad idea. He's a freshman in college. But if he was in the Why? NFL, that's a different story because they're, you know, he's like basically saying like, you know, if there's money to be made and there's and there's a way to excel and really get to the highest Why? level, Lance. it's like, why, Lance? Can't you just? But that's what he thinks. Like I, I kind of respected it. That it yeah, gives you I, an I, insight into, to like, you know, obviously he doesn't have a moral issue with doping. You can't. He can't think that you're a bad person because you, you know, a football player does steroids or something. That can't be Lance Armstrong's position. He's not one of these guys who's come out and said, "I did these drugs and it was the wrong thing to do." He never says that. He never no, says, "I no, was saying doesn't. a bad example for children," or you know, "It's bad for kids." You know, he's basically like, these are safe drugs <laughs> if administered safely, and you know, I they were against the rules, but I don't have, you know, so it's it's you get to this thing where he's he also stands alone in that. Because everyone else who's been, everyone, the one thing, like Mark McGuire, for example, now we're just going long and I'm rambling, but <laughs> like Mark McGuire, before he did show up to Congress and said, I'm not here to talk about the past and all that shit. Nobody took a dollar from him. Nobody charged him with a crime. And before he tried to get back into baseball and be a hitting coach for somebody, he had to come out and admit, yes, I was on these drugs. And he said it was the wrong thing to do, and I sent the wrong message. I was a role model, all these things. Like, Lance is the one person that's come out. and You know, I remember, like, uh, A-Rod came out to Peter Gammons and, like, yes, I was on steroids. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I was remorseful. And a year later, now you or, you know, several years later, whatever, you look up. A-Rod's, like, America's sweetheart. Everybody likes him. He's nailing J-Lo. Like, things are good for A-Rod. But Lance never – he – Sort of it. He admitted to cheating to Oprah, but he he never come out and spoken up against against these things or said the sport needs to be cleaner. Or, it's interesting. And and the last he thing, could do a few things to help to help him. Is that is that, I, is I that what you're so. trying to say? Yeah. And but yeah. I I think he doesn't believe that. You know. I mean, it, to this day, if you're known Lance Armstrong to a certain percentage of people is known as a drug cheater. That's the first thing when word association Lance Armstrong you go, cheater. Yeah. And when you ask Lance Armstrong. Would you suggest your son do illegal steroids to cheat? And he goes, well, if he was in the NFL, maybe. <laughs> like, that's – even if that's true, that's probably not something you should say. No. Uh, but and the last thing I'll say is, like, when we talked earlier, you're like, yeah, this thing's only four hours. I thought it was going to keep going. Uh, you know, there's so much more to tell. We didn't even talk about the highlights of him actually right, riding the bike and smoking these dudes and being a fucking killer and, like, he was, how awesome he was it awesome. is. And it was yeah. a great, you know, it's the one thing is, like, this was kind of before HD TV. The tour is awesome to watch on TV now because it's in HD and it's, like, in France and you're in the hillside. Like, the the, the footage of this would be awesome to see. Like, if, if, if Lance never goes back in 2009 and never gets caught and we just watch... Uh, a four-hour the Lance dan- the the Lance dance, Lance uh, dance, the Lance dance, and it's just highlights of him smoking French people and and euros. Like that sounds dope. Like I'm I'm in for that too. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I was gonna say is you're like there was so much more to tell. Yeah. But I don't think I could do any four hours with Lance Armstrong is enough. Like he is just exhausting to me. Uh, he's just so unlikable uh, in his own way. It, like I, I've had enough. Four hours is plenty is kind of uh, where I'm going with this. Uh, I I couldn't, you know, you could build another two hours of, of highlights of him smoking Euros in uh, France, and it'd be kind of fun, but I, I've, I've, I've seen enough. This is, this is enough Lance is, Armstrong time. I, I believe I, to, I told you that earlier. That is available. The two-hour highlight reel is available on ESPN as well. So for all of you people that are on the fence about him as a, uh, as a cyclist, say you're on the fence about him as a cyclist, go watch the two-hour highlight. And that that'll probably change your mind about that. It, it's frustrating that we can't separate the two. It's almost like you kind of wish you could separate, you know, the athlete yeah. from the human being. 
but that's not that's not how humanity works. Well, and that, that's not, and it's not it's, it's not the, the the Lance Armstrong story where you've got cancer, yeah, cycling and him as a person. It's all interwound. Like you know, right. and, and he kind of said like he wished he could have separated it, and you just can't do it. And he certainly no. didn't. So yeah, it's it's uh, that's a that's a good way to end this. Bobby, you have any uh, any other takes? Anything you want to shout out? Uh, uh, no, I just want hoops to come back. Uh, whatever we can do to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, we're, if we're uh, dying over here. If uh, PJ tour starts in two weeks, I believe the twelfth, June twelfth, or something like that. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, other than that, uh, that's about all I got. Yeah. I agree. Thanks for joining us, Bobby. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it for Mind of Micah and Backdoor Cover. As mentioned, Backdoor Cover will be back later this week. I suggest that you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Mind of Micah back later this week with a very personal, I will finally, uh, I'll talk. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I can, I'm dying. I'm on the edge of my seats for that. I, after we hang up, we're going to touch on that. Well, we'll get into I, I, need, I deserve, as your, if I'm going to be in your wedding, I deserve uh, I deserve it. A sneak peek into that one. Well, uh, you know what? We'll talk about the wedding, too. How's that? Oh, all right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, the, oh, we're going to we're gonna break some news here, Whitey. Uh, okay. That's mine to Micah. That's a tease. And that's it. Uh, we will be back later. Until next time. Oh, call our hotline if you got takes on Lance or anything else. 800-392. If anyone else is still listening. 800 <laughs> 800-392-6344. 800-392-6344. Mm, bye-bye. Bye-bye.